get the full bonfire experience on your screen youtube.com slash bonfire sports thumbs up subscribe you'll know when we're live enjoy the games They say the real season starts now. Labor Day Classic on tap this week. Lots to get to on Bonfire Midweek. Thanks to everybody out there for joining us live here on YouTube. Who's that to my virtual right? Jeff Hamilton of the Winnipeg Free Press. You can follow him on Twitter at Jeff K. Hamilton. Hammy, what's going on? How was your weekend? And are you looking forward to this coming one in Regina? DB, first of all, good to be here. Looking forward to this. Been uh, an avid uh, watcher of the uh, of the bonfire series, we'll call it, including uh, midweek. And so excited to be on this. Uh, it's funny, my weekend actually ends tonight uh, because I'm working all next weekend. This was kind of my long weekend. So this was day four in a row off. Uh, I spent the day at the beach. Beautiful day. Uh, I don't know how many more of these days we'll have, but uh, yeah, I'm excited to get going and, and talk about what's always an exciting slate of CFL games and, and engage with some of these commenters who I've, you know, talked to at some points during the stage and yelled at at my computer screen and others. So let's go and uh, let's go and do this. It's my favorite group of people. You're always a popular guest in the live chat on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Uh, I was on with Hustler today talking uh, bombers and rifles and, and lots of different stuff. So be sure to go check that out uh, as well. Um, you I never even answered your question. I never answered. I'm so excited for Labor Day. I know yes. we're going to... I know we're going to rewind this stuff. We're going to go back into the weekend, talk about what's coming up, but I am so excited for Labor Day weekend. I'm so excited to get going on Regina. Of course, you're going to be jumping in with me and Ted. We're yes. driving down there Friday. We're going to be there all weekend. Uh, you know what I'm particularly excited about this year, though, is that last year, because of COVID, you know, it was great, obviously, to get the games back up and running. Uh, to get the season back going, to get the league uh, backing up. But uh, it was just, it was a, I don't want to say a super big letdown, but it was a pretty super big letdown last year. Uh, no offense to any of the Winnipeg fans, and there certainly were some of them that did come uh, last year, but it was just missing, you know, and I, as people were obviously, you know, taking their health into consideration, not wanting to travel, a lot of the right. different COVID rules and all those things. So there was a spattering of blue, uh, and gold, but certainly not what you see in previous years. So I'm excited for a number of reasons to see our Saskatchewan colleagues and more so to see, you know, a little bit more representation from Winnipeg this weekend. It's always a great weekend. Yeah, Jeff, you know, you and I uh, were amongst uh, a handful of people who were at all the Blue Bombers practices or when we're able to get there. We know they're going to be pumping in the crowd noise because not just the Labor Day Classic is sold out in Regina, the Banjo Bowl is sold out here in Winnipeg. Of course, if you've been watching over 30,000 in each of the last handful of games. I'd like to refer to it as the madhouse on Matheson, the blue bombers playing extremely entertaining football. The crowd seems to be into it all the time. That all gets up to notch for these two games. And what I think is really cool this year too, Hammy is that it's not just labor day banjo bowl and a back-to-back -back against Saskatchewan and that's it. They get to face each other again, 
later this season. So uh, three games on tap between these two Prairie rivals. You never know what's going to happen in these Labor Day Banjo Bowl games. Records don't seem to matter. What you did going into those games doesn't seem to matter. It really could change a lot in the West, especially with Nathan Rourke injured right now. BC losing to Saskatchewan last week could be a real mix-up. Yeah, it's a wild, wild West here. And so this this weekend, of course, it's big for both sides. I'd say it's particularly big for Saskatchewan, who finally got back on track. Now that we'll get into that game, they did it against a Rourke-less BC Lions team. But, you know, they need to figure out where, where they stand in the West. And I think they're going to get, uh, you know, a, a nice reminder here over the next two weeks uh, from, you know, obviously the, the class of the CFL and the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. So, uh, but we also know that records really mean nothing. You know, they mean nothing when it comes to these games. There's been many, many times where the Bombers were, were out of it. Um, but this was kind of their great cup in, in a lot of years, sadly. You know, kind of funny, you can laugh at it now, but it really was that situation. And then, uh, you know, but but also Winnipeg, you know, I mean, they, they have an opportunity. The sea is parted for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. The sea is officially parted. They don't have, you know, we'll see what happens with BC, but at the early indication, you know, after seeing what we saw this weekend, they're not going to be nearly as good or so it looks like. You know, Calgary has already lost three times to Winnipeg. The fact that the Bombers can now come into Regina this weekend, defend their house the following weekend after that can pretty much can pretty much decide, you know, Saskatchewan's fate here in the West, at least as far as, you know, them not being able to touch, you know, top of the castle, which I think everyone already assumed as much as we've seen. Saskatchewan's been a bit of a tire fire this year for various different reasons on and off the field. So, you know, it's, it's going to be a spirited one, you know, Saskatchewan's not happy with how their season has gone. They're hosting the great cup this year. There's a lot of pride on the line. I would argue this next weekend here and what is always an emotional battle, I think is going to be up a couple notches because I think there's a team in Winnipeg who wants to hold their place. And there's a team in, in Saskatchewan, obviously that desperately wants to, to tell the rest of the league that they belong. And, you know, we're now heading into week 13 and I don't think we can say the rough riders belong at the top or in the lead of the West. So we'll see what happens this weekend. Yeah. Six and five rough riders hosting the 10 and one blue bombers. Uh, looking forward to that. We're going to take a quick trip around the CFL, get into a ton of topics. CJ Didick asking, have the bombers practiced yet this week? And if so, is Brady Oliveira practicing? They have not practiced this week. It was a buy going into that game against Calgary this past weekend. Uh, and now kind of a pseudo mini buy for them, right? Because they played on Thursday night and then they don't play again until the following Sunday, like 10 days later or whatever it is. So uh, Winnipeg will return to the practice field Wednesday morning, Thursday as well. Friday will be a close practice. So good day for you, me and Ted, Jeff, uh, to hop in. And uh, it'll be Jeff and Ted's excellent adventures, more likely documented by DB. Uh, I don't know if I'll get involved. The trio, the trio. <laughs> yeah, no, it'll be fun. I'm looking forward to that. But should mention, you know, you were at the lake, uh, you were at the beach today, uh, soaking it in. Zach Schnitzer is at the lake right now. He was champing at the bit to do the show from the lake. I said, man, take your time, relax. We'll get hammer on the show. We'll tee up Labor Day. Zach will join me for bonfire game day after dark, of course, following 
the Labor Day Classic in Regina on Sunday. Chris Walby's going to join me, maybe even from his boat out okay. at the lake on Saturday uh, for game day Winnipeg, as we always do uh, the day before the game. We'll get into that live, but lots to get to uh, on the show today. We've got another prize giveaway. We'll crack open some more packs from Joe Daly Sports. Uh, and of course, that prize giveaway from uh, the Sports Vault and our good friends over there. But Jeff, maybe let's start uh, with a quick trip around the Canadian Football League and what was week 12. Uh, it started with Calgary in Winnipeg. We're going to get to a lot of topics on that a little bit later. So we'll fast forward to the doubleheader on Friday. Yep. And it was the second of, what is it, four, nine, 14 matches between the Ticats and the Argos here uh, in, in a short stretch. The second of four, I believe it is. Uh, 37 20, the Argos take this one. And once again, Dane Evans shatters the hearts of the Ticats faithful uh, with three interceptions, no touchdowns, and essentially handing the game on a silver platter to the Argos as he's done so many times this season. Where to start with this one? We'll start with Dane Evans. Did you see his post-game comments? He came out and said he's screwing the team and he knows it. And it's true. I mean, for the, you know, for the first whatever X amount of games earlier in the season, I think you could look at some of the receivers. It was almost like this guy had the most twisted luck in the CFL. He kept hitting guys in the numbers. The ball would pop up a foot or two and and, and ultimately land in into it, you know, the opponent's hands. And it was just, it was almost kind of here we go again. Um, but in this case, I mean, this was a guy who you know, Matt Schiltz comes in and what he's now out for six to eight weeks. He bangs up his hand. I was, you know, I've been writing, I was writing about it for weeks about how I thought Schiltz was not any good, that he's a guy who's, you know, he shouldn't, you know, what are we doing here? Dane Evans is the go-to guy. And here's the thing. I mean, before this season, Dane Evans had proven over a couple seasons that he was the guy. And you know, another thing is in the DB, I think you can, you can probably, you know, agree with this too is, you get a good idea about the quarterbacks and how they are, but how they handle themselves, like their level of confidence, right? We right. see guys, you know, we've seen Bo Levi Mitchell for years kind of be as, you know, confident self. We've seen other, you know, we just, you just carry yourself in a certain way. And Dane Evans had all that. I remember being thoroughly impressed with them during Grey Cup week last week. He's got a lot of perspective. You know, he's, he's smart between the ears. He looked, he seemed like he was mentally strong and then fast forward to this year, and it's just been an absolute train wreck for him. And and it really, I mean, in a year with with just kind of, you know, unfortunate and and somewhat rather, for lack of a better term, shitty performances this year, that might have been the worst. And and to do it as the guy who comes in, kind of it in relief of now, can we call Matt Schiltz a starter? But we probably would be calling him that if he wasn't out for six to eight weeks. Now you go back to Dane Evans and like. You know, look, I don't want to get in on the betting thing here, but you can do a betting option where you pick one team to be leading at, at half and you can pick the uh, uh, the same team, a tie or another team to be winning by game's end. And it's just been like that almost every single week this season where the tie cats get, you know, have a lead at halftime only to squander that. And this is the latest example. I mean, 16-10 the score was at the break. It ended with 37-20. Yeah. And when the other team is scoring 34 of the final 41 points of the game, um, you know, that is just an embarrassing stat in what's been, a, in, in what's been a, an embarrassing season for Hamilton. 
No, no question. You have to wonder what the people inside the football operations department in Hamilton are thinking. Of course, we're seeing, um, you know, we haven't seen a lot of uh, Jeremiah Masoli this year, but deciding that that's not the quarterback they want. Dane Evans is the one they want. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people are are second guessing that decision uh, at this point. And you know, if Matthew Schiltz uh, misses a good stretch of time, I don't know if Jamie Newman is even a viable option no. uh, to start games for the Ticats. So the East remains wide open. Uh, I'm on board with a couple people in the live chat. I think Montreal has a legit shot. They've won two straight games now, including uh, the win here in Winnipeg over the Bombers. Um, do want to shout out to everybody who's watching us live on YouTube and Facebook. If you're watching live on Twitter, head over to youtube.com slash bonfire sports. If you guys haven't yet, subscribe, give a thumbs up and a like, comment, all that good stuff. We appreciate it a lot. Sling and Sammy new to the live chat tonight. Hammy, this guy's watching live from Portugal. Uh, Tao Zen, our good friend, is back again. He's watching in Thailand. He says good morning. Uh, we have uh, viewers in Great Britain, uh, frankly, wow. all across the globe. So awesome to see that here uh, on, on Bonfire Sports. Um, so, I mean, that game... They're going to play two more times in, in the coming weeks here, including uh, on Monday, uh, the Ticats and Argos. So we'll get to see them again. It's almost too familiar, I think, uh, these two teams to face each other so many times uh, in a one-month span. Uh, the next game on the docket was Saskatchewan in Vancouver to face new starting quarterback Michael O'Connor and the BC Lions, of course, following the uh, long-term injury to quarterback Nathan Rourke. Uh, and then it was Michael O'Connor getting injured in this game, Jeff. They said, uh, you know, if it was dire, they would bring him back, but kept him out precautionary. Their best defensive player, in my opinion, TJ Lee went down to injury in this game. Lucky Whitehead held out precautionary as well. Um, and Cody Fajardo looked okay. And I mean, it was uh, a bit of a depleted BC Lions defense, but he threw for 321 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, went 19 of 24. Uh, and then Frankie Hickson stepping in for the injured Jamal Morrow goes for 129 yards uh, in the game on the ground. Keen Schaefer Baker led the way with 170 receiving. Uh, do you think maybe a win like that on the road in Vancouver against a previously uh, one loss team, Jeff, could be something that gives uh, a maligned and roller coaster Saskatchewan Rough Riders 2022 club a little bit of okay, now we know what it feels like to win a game against a good football team, albeit without Nathan Rourke. Now you got a little bit of juice going into the Labor Day Classic. Okay, so I really want to answer that question, DV, but I've had this in my mind since I've been watching the comments. I get to see comments now. I don't usually see the comments when I'm when I do these shows, but I uh, we so we have a we have a listener in in Europe. So let's say UK. Okay, just as a guess, I'm not saying that's where he is. Did he say where he was? Portugal. Portugal. Okay, so yeah, my joke, my joke is ruined. Yeah, I was going to say people in UK, and we got we guys do. like waiters and EK. So <laughs> we go yeah. from UK to EK, but you know, we'll be Portugal. But you know, I don't think. Look, I think if you're Saskatchewan, you're taking any win at this point. You know what I mean? I think you're taking any good feelings at this point. You know, as bad as they have been at times. Uh, as bad as they have been at times this season, I still think it's one of those things where they've also been dealt, you know, some pretty, pretty bad cards when it comes to injuries. You know, you look at, you look at their, you look at their O-line, like Dan Clark, you know, you can't underestimate that loss. Cause at the end of the day, I mean, 
that just brought in kind of like a, a younger core of guys that was needed to be kind of coached. You need a Dan Clark. And then I think he would still be that voice, but when you don't have him on the field, you know, that, that that's where things get a little dicey. And then, so yeah. you, but then you look at the weapons, right? I mean, Jamal Morrow, you said Frankie Hickson and he had an unbelievable game and I do like him a lot. He was mm -hmm. playing well before uh, Jamal Morrow got hurt. Like, I mean, he had, he had shown some flashes. I'm not going to say he was racking up the stats because when you got a guy like Jamal Morrow, on your roster, you use them. That guy is up there with Kadeem Carey, um, in my opinion, as as the, as one of the top running backs. You know, obviously William Stanback, who was out week one as well, um, up there in that echelon, if you will. And so, you know, then you look at Shaq Evans getting injured again. You look at Kyron Moore, who came back last week, uh, but was out for for a spell. And so, you know, you look at you know look at Duke Williams, who's been in and out of the lineup, whether it be you know off field or on field stuff. So like you look at, um, you know, you look at the injuries they've had and they've never really got things going. You look at Cody Fajardo and look, I'm not, I, I, this is no secret. I'm not a Cody Fajardo fan. I never have been. Um, I thought 2019 was an anomaly. Like I didn't, you know, it was a year where, yeah, he came out of the West, uh, ended up losing to a receiver and Brandon Banks for the MOP, but came out of a uh, out of the out of a good West Division, obviously, but a, a West Division that had injuries to key players all season long, all quarterbacks, and so you know I'm not saying Cody Fajardo didn't play well in 2019, he certainly did, but Cody Fajardo with bad knees. <laughs> Is, is 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 like Matt Nichols with bad knees, and, I, and the situation it feels like in in Regina right now is they have their version of Matt Nichols, where he can win games, he can be that guy for you, can manage games, but he's not going to roll out to his right to the sideline and deliver a shot in the back corner of the end zone to Darvin Adams to set the whole organization on fire for the next two two three seasons. He's just <laughs> not that player. He's not Zach Claris. And so, yeah. you, you know, do I see this as like a, you know, some kind of positive? I'd see it as one positive in with Cody Fajardo in that they could have went to Mason Fine. Now, Mason Fine came in the week before and led them down the field for a touchdown, but they didn't score any points in the final two quarters of the game. So it, was, it would be almost ridiculous to justify putting a Mason Fine in. So it almost felt like you had to put Cody Fajardo back in. And then, he, you know, I thought he played pretty well. I, I, I thought it was I, – I don't think it was a great game. You know what it felt like? It felt like two mediocre teams playing each other. It felt like Edmonton and Ottawa playing each other, where they were battling each other out, but it wasn't like no one was really going to take the game. And that's – and when I mentioned off the top here about the parting of the sea, like these are the two other teams, you know, minus obviously Calgary, who's for sure going to be probably the second top – second team in the West. I mean, these are the other two teams. Yeesh. You know, that's, uh, yeah. I don't know, whatever silver linings they want to take from it. They beat a Rorkless BC Lions team um, by a touchdown and Fajardo got sacked seven times. So, I don't know. Definitely yeah. a positive. Two points are always a positive. What about you, I'm, I'm leaving this comment here uh, from Craig Smith, longtime CFL scout and player personnel man. Uh, good to see you, Craig, joining us. I think you're out in Saskatchewan. Maybe maybe you're somewhere else right now. He says you can't take the riders lightly. They're getting healthier. They got weapon, weapons. And I agree with this point here by Craig. 
Key is the Saskatchewan offensive line. Uh, other people mentioning too, I think it was Waiter saying, doesn't understand why offensive coordinator Jason Moss continues to put Cody Fajardo in the position to get hit and in the position to take shots. And, you know, he's already banged up and beat up. They had a bye a couple of weeks ago. He said he came back, he felt rejuvenated, all this and that, but he's not getting any help from those around him having a strong run game with Frankie Hickson. That's great. Uh, getting some guys back uh, in the receiving core that will help a lot. Um, but right now uh, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, they can play great defense all they want. Jason Shivers has got a ton of talent to work with on that side of the ball. Uh, I think you'd agree with me there, Jeff, but, and, and the defensive front gets after quarterbacks like nobody's business. Uh, we're going to probably have to touch on Garrett Marino playing against Zach Kolaris and the Blue Bombers this, uh, you know, these next two weeks, because there's some anxiety amongst Bomber Nation right now that something could potentially happen. Uh, however, the Riders are only going to go as far as their quarterback takes him. That's the universal truth in the Canadian Football League. And yeah, I'm with you. It's it's Winnipeg, it's Calgary, and then we'll see how the rest shakes out. My my question to you before we move on to the next game, Jeff, can the BC Lions buoy themselves, tread enough water, and maybe get on a bit of a go here going into the playoffs where maybe they could find themselves in the West Final? Deep breath. Uh, find themselves in the West Final? Possibly. I mean, here's the thing. I think, yeah, is it too early to say that Michael O'Connor – it's not too early to say Michael O'Connor is a Nathan Aurora. Nathan Rourke, right? We've heard that it's not too early to say that. Is it too early to suggest that he can't be, uh, you know, a game manager? Look at the weapons around him, man. Like those yeah. weapons, you want to talk about weapons? You want to talk about Saskatchewan having weapons? Like the reality is, is Antonio Pipkin is not your guy. Antonio Pippen is not a new quarterback in the CFL. He's been around for what, five seasons now? I think he can help you get out of a game with a win, but I wouldn't want him to be your starter. Well, no. And I mean, I think we, I think, you know, he was like, how gun shy was he last game until he wasn't really. And he finally unloaded, like he wasn't, he didn't feel comfortable. It seemed like he didn't feel comfortable in his own equipment enough to make any kind of, you know, important or key plays. It was like, he, he didn't want to screw up. And then Michael O'Connor, I mean, he's got the arm. Uh, that's clear. I don't know if he has the accuracy. He certainly doesn't have the same mobility as Nathan Rourke. So the reality is, is this, is that, Look, they have an okay offensive line. I think it was made better by Nathan Rourke's decision-making. I still think it's okay. It's certainly more improved from, from last season. Uh, they have the weapons on offense. They have great players. I thought I thought not getting Brian – like, what did Brian Burnham finish with? Let me take a quick look at that. Brian Burnham finished with one reception for 18 yards. Yeah. Unless yeah. he's getting carted off the field – and heading to the hospital, he should not finish the game with one catch for 18 yards. You should be leaning on Brian Burnham because Brian Burnham can catch bad passes. You know, right. he, there's no such thing as a 50-50 ball with him. He always has an edge. It's always um, so a 60-40. Yeah. Exactly. So you have the weapons on offense and you have the weapons on defense. Now, I think I saw in here TJ Lee getting hurt obviously is significant. I uh, don't, do we have a prognosis on that? It might be a little bit, anything. not a hundred percent sure. Um, but certainly, you know, they have the weapons on defense. I mean, they, they got to the quarterback. They are a takeaway machine. They can, they can, you know, they can score touchdowns. They can do it all. They, you know, they're very much, 
I don't want to say reminiscent of the Bombers defense from last season because they were a beast in and of themselves, but you know, they are, they are a team that was benefiting from great offense, great defense. Now I think where they need to improve is special teams big time. Uh, Cause like, look, you can probably get away with an okay quarterback with the weapons you have on offense uh, on offense and the line that you have in front of them, you can probably get away with it uh, with having kind of like a, an okay quarterback uh, but you, but you can only do that if if you have a have a strong defense, as we know the Lions do, and a strong special teams, which we know the Lions don't. And so I see that being, you know, it's one of those things. If you can win two out of three phases, and hold your own, like you, you know, you're going to win, you know, more games than you're going to lose. But I just don't see them winning the special teams battle with any team, for that matter. And with with Nathan Rourke out it's going to be a challenge to win offense. I think the defense is going to be fine, but to not have Nathan Rourke, I think that's where you get, that's where you get into a lot of trouble. And that's where I see, it'll be fascinating to see where BC ends up. It'll be fascinating to see, you know, I think Michael O'Connor is their guy if, and when he's healthy, but it'll be interesting to see what kind of moves they make because look, this, this is the CFL. Like unless you're the Edmonton Elks and you're building for five or six years, you know, you, you know, you, you, you only have like one, one year windows. And so this seems like a big window for BC. And unless you can get somebody there, whether it's someone you have in-house or someone you need to get via trade or free agents or whatever, yeah, um, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be an interesting finish for these lines. Love this comment from Comet in the live chat. Hammer calling the riders mediocre may be accurate, but it's bulletin board material. Just saying, I don't know. Do you think the riders uh, are putting your thoughts no up one, on, on no the one, No board? one cares about what we have to say. Now, if Willie Jefferson comes out and says they're mediocre and whatever, <laughs> right. I don't right. even know if that works necessarily. But, yeah, they don't care about us, man. Like, you yeah. know, they, I mean, they might have their, you know, they might look at us weird when we show up on this right. weekend. But don't you know, mean much. <laughs> I don't think they're they're not posting Jeff Hamilton's uh, bonfire comments on uh, on their bolt on, on their locker room anytime soon. No, I can't imagine. Maybe they're maybe they're taking your clippings out of the the free press. And if you're you're not out there following Jeff on Twitter at Jeff K Hamilton, uh, very easy one to spell. J- Jeff with a J. Uh, in that case, BTB, just to interrupt you again. If yeah. that was the case, Cody Fajardo would be MOP this year because I've written <laughs> endlessly about how I don't believe in him. So <laughs> if that's the case, this guy should be fighting Zach. Claris for MVP if they're if they're oh, using whatever it. the crap that comes out of my mouth. Do want to uh, mention everybody out there? Uh, you can sign up at this exclusive link sia.com/bonfire. You make a minimum deposit. You get a 100% bonus up to 500, uh, and you can put a little sprinkle on the games this weekend. Also, some great prop bets uh, there as well, and it helps us here directly. Uh, at Bonfire Sports. Uh, okay, let's quickly uh, move on because we're, we're going to talk more riders uh, coming up. But uh, the final game of the weekend was Ottawa at Edmonton. Do you really have anything to say about this game, Jeff? These two teams are atrocious. Uh, it, it was kind of like watching, I don't know, you know, washed up backups or washed up retired guys uh, play some games. I say that tongue in cheek, of course. Yeah, you know what? I, yeah. This one's a snoozer, you know, put this one back on when you want to fall asleep early. Like to me, watching these games between these two teams, I mean, it's pretty sad, pretty sad that they can't win in their own barn against each other and snap their ruthless home skids. Like I just, those are next level. I mean, I think John Hodge tweeted it 
uh, yesterday or sometime this weekend, it was like, and it was hilarious because it was like Edmonton, <laughs> Ottawa has won more games in Edmonton than Edmonton's won in the last two years. <laughs> and, right. and I'm pretty sure Edmonton has won more games in Ottawa than they have since like 29, since that, you know, whatever. It's like just embarrassing numbers. But I mean, you know what? I feel it's bad like, for those fan bases, right? Man, I feel bad. Absolutely. Like I, I, I feel, I kind of feel bad for Paul Police. you know, like I was kind of hard on him when he was awesome here in Winnipeg because I just felt like some of the stuff on offense was predictable and 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 whatever and and now it's like he's got two jobs and he's not really doing either of them that well and it's like you look at Ottawa and where are they where are they struggling the most offense right and I mean obviously it doesn't help that Jeremiah Masoli got hurt no I think they would be pretty good on offense if they had him they got players man possibly yeah for sure you know but but some of the decision making man like some of the challenges in the last couple weeks like this isn't even last week I'm still I'm still got something about me on this this one two weeks ago when they called a timeout down two touchdowns so they could finish the drive and possibly get the end zone in a game they had they had absolutely no chance in winning what are you doing calling timeout for like you just delaying this this loss of yours like i just don't understand it uh and then this this one it was like it was like game reps <laughs> they scored three touchdowns ottawa scores three consecutive touchdowns in the second quarter and then they disappear mm-hmm. they just disappear they play conservatively they stop throwing the ball it was like the whole like it's like let's go into the half and just be like play not to lose it was like it was right. it was it was awful like it was awful edmonton kenny lawler man three catches for like 146 yards yeah uh that guy i think his lowest was like 40 44 yards or something yeah i wrote it down here i wrote it down here so i'd sound somewhat smart um 50 54 and 42 yards 42, he, he yeah. those are his three catches and they were all kind of circus catches now here's yeah. the good news if you're a bombers fan in my opinion edmonton keeps losing they're gonna have to get rid of some guys right Welcome what are you paying a three hundred thousand dollars to the market absolutely and if you're the winnipeg blue bombers and you're not thinking about going after kenny Lawler, like give him something because he's a weapon like to think anyone wants to be in Edmonton, absolutely not. Like you get well, for those guys. Well, no, for sure. I'm talking about right now. I'm not talking about the off season. I think there was some excitement going into the off season, right? It's like, Chris yeah, Jones, we, were, yeah sure. we were garbage last year, but we got Chris Jones. We got some stability. We got a, you know, a football mind. You have Victor, you know, how do you say his last name? I always say Chew, but it's not. Cooey? Cooey. I don't know. I yeah, whatever. Yeah. We'll go with Cooey because it's, it rolls off the tongue. Uh, you know, Cooey's been doing his stuff. It's been awesome, but I don't think anybody wants to be in that locker room. I don't think anybody wants to be playing for the Elks. They're not going to make the playoffs. They got guys that are in and out of the lineup still. You know how tough it is to have, like, just think about it. I know, you know, I know, you know, it's great that this is like kind of Winnipeg centered. I know there's other people and other, you know, fan bases that watch this show, but look at Winnipeg. Like, Look what Winnipeg has. You go in there every day. You know exactly who you're talking to. You know exactly who you're going over game film for. You know who you're going to war with. You know who the backup guy is in the event that the starter gets hurt and you're excited about his opportunity. 
half your games are in front of a madhouse crowd of 30k exactly everything's going on and then there's edmonton where but even away from the crowd stuff like inside the locker room like you don't even know if the guy to your you know michael shea's going around look to your left look to your right that's who you're playing for chris jones might as well say look to your left look to your right because one of them is not going to be here next week like that's the situation in Edmonton right now. And it's a tire fire. And whether, you know, I just I just think I just think that a guy like Kenny Lawler should like the bomber should be going after a guy like him because what do you, like what what is the point in having him on your roster, paying him that much money if you're not gonna make the playoffs? Because like are we really thinking maybe it's possible is Kenny Lawler gonna re-up in Edmonton next year? He's on a one-year deal, he's not a multi-year deal none of these guys are so i think it's going to be a huge situation for for the bombers and other teams in the cfl for that matter if edmonton keeps losing eric uh asking when is the cfl trade deadline this year it is october 5th uh i think uh waiters was in the live chat mentioning that uh to some people um winnipeg is pretty stacked when they're paying the biggest contract in the cfl in zach kalaris big hill jefferson Jeff Coat, um, Stanley Bryant, Jamarcus Hardrick, like they're paying some big, big money salaries right now. Will that be forever? No, they're going to be able to flex that attractive free agent muscle that they have, Jeff, uh, in those coming years because people are going to want to come to Winnipeg uh, and play in a winning building. I I totally agree with you there. Um, We got lots to get to on the show today. But on that note, because I see some of the comments here. Sorry, DB. Don't think... Zach, I see you on there. I see some other people on there. Don't think for a second that the Bombers aren't interested in retooling for a, for a great cup run. They're banged up in receiver. They want guys back. It's not about like it's about supporting and and it's about supporting the players for sure. But bringing a guy, it's also about winning. That's the number one thing. It's about winning, and it's about putting you know. So the Bombers will retool in the opportunity that they can. This is a three peat. This is a dynasty year. This will be a big one. And if the Bombers can add a few pieces, as we'll see other teams add pieces, we see every single year, the Bombers have gone after guys yep. in the past and just not got them. Yep. Derek Moncrief's one of them. Those people thinking, what if? What if? Really? Absolutely. Like, they, like, they go after the same guys. I mean, they I, don't... Rave, I rave about Derek Moncrief. Like, he could be the best player in the CFL. Quarterbacks included. He's that good. He's up there for sure, but I'm just yeah. saying they're they're you know they're going after guys, and so I see Sergio Castillo there from Waiters too, and I got this message from me a long time ago, and it's stu- it stayed true. Sergio Castillo has a worse kicking percentage than 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 uh, our our boy Mark Leggio. Leggio, yeah. So, but well, in, interesting comment. I half agree with Barflies here. He says the Blue Bombers could use a linebacker and a defensive back before a receiver. I think they would probably be okay at linebacker. Um, that, that's just my take. But uh, defensive back, absolutely, I think they would like to add somebody. We'll see tomorrow morning, Wednesday morning, when the Bombers are on the field, if Demario Houston, who left last week's game, is part of that mix. Uh, same with Brady Oliveira. See Craig but, Smith on here. Awesome. Yep. Yeah, really good to uh, to see uh, everybody. Yeah, Moncrief is incredible. Yeah, I'm in the CFL same boat. It's Craig Smith. Like, he can play everywhere, right? So, like, watch him the next two weeks uh, in the Saskatchewan Rough Riders defense. Um, we got to get to this. I, I want to get to this uh, right away. We got some prizes to give away. 
uh, on the show. Just trying to make sure I get my, my second camera uh, here going. Uh, Jeff, do you have some thoughts coming out of uh, that Bombers win over Calgary? Um, you know, something that, that jumped out to you? Was it Greg McRae? Was it Nick Dembski? Um, Jake Mayer? Like, wow, what an upgrade at quarterback for the Stampeders. He throws for 294 yards and goes 82%. Three touchdowns all to Malik Henry. Hey, Phyllis. Um yeah, I got lots of thoughts. My first thought is not even about, it's more about the result and what it means. The Bombers swept the Calgary Stampeders in a three-game season series for the first time since 1987. I was born February 4th, 1986. So that's 35 years that they haven't been able to do that. And not just that, which is obviously big, 400 home wins, first in CFL history. So that's a massive, you know, that's a, a bit of a get, yeah. uh, if you will, for the for the league or for the Bombers in the league. Um, but it, it's, a, it's a complete, I don't want to say full circle, but it's a complete flip the script of what we used to talk about the Bombers and Stampeders. We now talk about it the same way, but flipped. We used to talk about how the Bombers have never won or it would take a near miracle for them to beat the Stampeders. I think that it was week two in 2009, the Bombers won. Then the next 20 games that they played, they lost 18 of them. Wow. 18 of those next 20 games they've lost. One of them was, was 2017. Uh, one of them was 2017. And it was, it was one of those, it was one of those, I would think it was Michael O'Connor's first start. Now that I think about oh, it, yes. it was that freezing game in Calgary at the end. The Bombers played their whole team. Um, and then, and then, uh, you know, Bombers played their whole team and Calgary sat their starters. Uh, and so that was wow. one of the two victories. And then, so fast forward to today. And since 2019, the Bombers are seven and two against the uh against the against calgary including 2019 west semifinal and one of those losses came last season in in this time was the winnipeg blue bombers resting all their guys in that bizarre ending game yes like you know that second half was just a joke so my first thought about that is like look at where look at what the bombers have done you know in, in this you know stretch of time obviously they're the class of the cfl but now they're they're beating teams that they were losing to for you know better far, far, part of a decade, and so yep. you know that would be my first takeaway. And my second take, we already kind of talked about it, but the the West is Winnipeg's. I mean, they you know and and, it's, the, it's and the this week, right? And the good news is is they're no, they don't think that way. They're gonna do their annoying thing every weekend and week out, focus straight on this week. They're gonna be dialed in. But the fact of the matter is is you know. There's it's theirs for the taking. I got other things to say about the game, but I want you to tell me what you think about Jake Mayer. I think he's going to be a star in this league. I, I think that was almost clear last year when he went game after game of, of you know, nearly breaking completion records set by Ricky Ray uh, and other great quarterbacks in this league. Um, I think Calgary is extremely dangerous. I think uh, you know, to have a, a quarterback running back combo like they have in Mayer and Kadeem Carey. Uh, we haven't seen anything from 
Kamar Jordan, but the talent is there. We haven't seen much from Reggie Bagleton, but the talent in the production is there. He had six catches on six targets in Winnipeg for 68 yards uh, and two second down conversions. Um, of that 68 yards, Begleton had 57 after the catch. So he did it all with his legs. And for a big body guy, uh, that's a great weapon for more of a deep threat uh, in Malik Henry. Um, you know, we saw what Peyton Logan can do. Uh, we saw what, um, uh, oh, the other, the other tailback there is, is eluding me. Who was it? For which I was uh, Googling oh, something. Uh, Bain is another absolute burner that they have. So there, there's so many weapons for the Calgary Stampeders. The defense seems to get a little bit more consistent every single week. Don't count out the Stampeders just because the Blue Bombers uh, have beat them three times. Like, no chance. Absolutely. And, and um, there will always be a healthy dose of respect for the, uh, from the Winnipeg Blue Bombers to the Calgary Stampeders. I was going to say fear, but I don't yeah. think that's the right word. I don't think they're afraid of them. But I do think that they... Intimidation? You, know, you think there's some intimidation there? I think if it came down to it and it was like, who would you rather play in this game, Calgary or so or whoever else? I think they're picking whoever else, I guess sure. is the way I would best describe it. Um, but Jake Mayer looks unreal. Like I think this guy... I like his personality. He's apparently more chill than Drew Tate, if that's even possible. Like, yeah, that's the way it was described to me by a few people out there. So, you know, wow. the pressure doesn't get to him, which is so clearly obvious when you can make your first start in how many weeks? Uh, since the week th four or whatever um, in 2021 um, and, and complete 16 out of 17 of your uh, passes in the first half, I think he was. You know, that wasn't deja vu, uh, or maybe that was deja vu. Uh, he did the same thing the first time he played the Bombers in, last season. He went 16 for 16 in the first half. This guy is dialed in. He's got an arm. He's patient. He's yeah. got an O-line to protect him. He's got a defense to back him up. And he's got arguably the best, one of the best special teams in the, in the, um, in the CFL. You know, yeah. Mark Killam's group. We all know how great he has that group and, you know, very much like Paul Boudreaux has the Bombers special teams, you know, the two clubs that are very much alike in their priorities and whatever. And the other thing about it is there is a healthy, healthy, healthy disdain for one another between the two head coaches of that team. Let's go. You know what I that, mean? That, like the Canadian mafia, that yes. was personal. That wasn't, that wasn't like, I bet Dave Dickinson hates I bet Dave Dickinson hates that he created that that thing because it's on T-shirts and they're profiting from that too and whatever and they've won. But there is a uh, I don't want to say weird, just a very tense, you know, tense relationship between two very very competitive coaches. So it gets to the point where we're bordering on personal here. Yeah, right. We're per this is personal. So you know, and the fact that the Bombers have beat the Stamps all three games. You don't think they're going to be absolutely red, rip roaring, ready to go. Oh, they man. don't want to lose four times to the bombers this season. So, you know, I, you know, if I'm Winnipeg, I'm saying, bring it on whoever it is. You know, I think, you know, you're going to have to, you know, 
beat the best to, to, you know, whatever, which in this case is of course, Winnipeg, but you're going to have to beat the best team to get there. The bombers aren't going to sneak in through the, through the, uh, the, the, the side door of, uh, of the, of the crossover, which as we know, no one's even made it to the great cup, let alone won it. So I'm praying that uh, the riders can do just that and, and head over to their home barn and be in their away, away dressing room. But um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I just, I feel like, this is a guy, this is a team, a guy in Jake Mayer, a team in the Calgary Stampeders that, you know, might look six and four right now, but they're a well-coached physical football team. They don't make a lot of errors. And, you know, this is going to be the team that come playoffs, the margin of error is going to be extremely thin. Schnitzer is in the house. Uh, oh, no, I got the wrong one there. This is uh, Zach Schnitzer. He'll come back for one more show to crap on me for my take on the Hamilton Tiger Cats. I had them at number four in my quarter, one-third mark of the season power rankings. But Dane Evans has broken uh, my resolve like he's the hearts of, of the Ticats uh, uh, nation right now. Jeff, uh, thoughts on what's going on with Gary Stern? Are you sure? Are you sure, Gary? What? Oh, sorry, are you sure, uh, Gary? You sure that Zach wasn't talking about your take on me and not Hamilton Tire Cats? Well, I do talk about you behind your back a lot. Well, there you go. Let's get it out. Yeah. Let's get it out in the open. Now. Well, well, yeah. Well, we'll we'll talk about it during the six and a half hour drive to Regina this weekend. Um, mm. wh- what's going on in Montreal? Do you, do you have any take on this? Like, I, I I feel like everybody else. Like, it seems weird and kind of fishy. But really surprising with how engaged David uh, Gary Stern was all season long on social media, you know, uh, with the guys on the panel, Milt Spiegel, the rest. Like he was really trying to to get some things going, and it it has been working. Uh, you know, people I talk to in Montreal say that that fan base is, uh, you know, they're they're building it a little bit, and there's been, there's a little bit of excitement uh, and, and activity happening uh, in the stands at Percival Molson. Uh, what do you think happened with Gary Stern? So you look at all his tweets and you thought to yourself, man, this guy's desperate to get some fans out and get some gate revenue. Well, turns out he was desperate to get fans out and gate revenue because I think what it comes down to is dollars and cents. Now, you know, I tweeted out that it didn't shock me. It wasn't surprising, but still big yikes. Uh, I had some people, you know, comment, well, what do you mean? You know, like it doesn't surprise you and whatever. Like, I don't know if you and I have had these conversations. I certainly have these conversations with other other colleagues, um, you know, on the road as well. I've been hearing for weeks, like almost the start of the season, that, you know, Gary Stern. Now, look, before I get into this, it's not like I'm saying Gary Stern doesn't have money. Gary Stern has way more money than I do, way more money than I do. So I'm going to preface it by saying that. But I had heard that Gary Stern wasn't the deep pockets of the team and couldn't take over the team if he wanted to. And that the estate, you know, yeah, under 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 Sid Spiegel, who was a diehard, wanted to see this team flourish, wanted to see the Alouettes be the pride of Montreal, pride of Quebec football. You know, he brought, you know, he he bought the team at the worst possible time, right? At the end of the 2019 season, when all the other eight teams plus the league foot the bill. I think if you look at if you look at um, you know the bombers statements, there's about six hundred and something thousand dollars that says like Montreal West. And so that was the team picking up the slack, quite literally the bill for the Alouettes, you know, for, for 2020. Um 
2021 came, you know, wasn't the same kind of productive season that everyone assumed, you know, no one, no one kind of, um, you know, everyone really didn't know what the bottom line was going to be. They, they apparently lost money then. And that's when you started to hear about like, okay, this, you know, this, the estate of, of, uh, you know, of, I keep saying it's Spiegel, right? Yeah. I'm right on that. Right. Sid Spiegel. Yep. Yeah. Um, his estate was just getting, you know, wasn't in his control anymore. It wasn't there, you know, it was losing money that like, you know, this is no longer being run by an individual who can stomach losses, who can whatever this ultimately is going out to different family members of an estate that's being challenged. And so you think they're going to keep a depreciating asset or an asset that is con continuously requiring money to be put in and not taking money out? That's where I think that the situation got a little bit stale. And then you look at Gary Stern and the, the reality was, is that although, you know, I think what he did, you know, with his Twitter presence, with his love for the game, the love for the team, those were all, I think were very great things. I thought, you know, I thought he was a, you know, a great voice for the league. I thought he engaged with fans. I think he was doing things that owners, more owners could have taken advice from. And we all know yeah. who those owners were, are that, that to be engaged. But I think when it came down to it, you know, dollars didn't make sense. And if it doesn't make sense, it's not going to happen. And so what do you have to do is, well, okay, now, now, now they're, they're transitioning into the potential sale of this asset. And, and, and now the decision-making, the, the decision-making for all football decisions is going to go to the majority stakeholder and not the person who is, is holding one, fourth of the pie it's the person holding three quarters of it so i think they're going to be a bit more cost constant conscience they're going to work with the league and don't be surprised at all if it doesn't come under you know up for sale if not this season by the end of this season looking for a new owner and if you look at gary stern i mean he's the ceo of his father-in-law's company the guy whose estate we're talking about here right so he's successful very much successful in his own right but I don't know if he has the money to float the Alouettes alone. And until that happens, I think we're going to be getting, you know, we're in a situation where they're going to be dealing, the, you know, moving on from the Alouettes. And what I think the good news is, or at least some of the whispers have, have been, and not even so much whispers and certainly not whispers before when they were up for sale is there's a group of people in Quebec that want to buy and have multi, you know, a, kind of a multi owner situation but, a, but a, at the same time, a similar interest in, in mm. what they want to do with the team. So that's kind of what I've been hearing and what I know uh, about this situation. That's interesting. Well, you know, like Corey May points out here is watching live on YouTube. Hey, Corey, everybody out there, appreciate you watching. Wade Miller was successful in turning the Blue Bombers franchise around. Montreal needs a local who cares about their city to do the same great comment from Corey there um they also course, need a sweetheart deal the bombers got too anyone would use that one sure yeah on the stadium no kidding not no to kidding. mention drop 10 million dollars on their lap and said put this into your bank account and we can build off that for years to come they right. put the bombers got in a situation right now where they can survive on their own and that's a good thing but not you know not a lot of private enterprises are getting that opportunity to be like, right. you know what? Not ideal right now. What if the CFL said, here you go, take the team. We're going to throw $10 million in your bank account and don't worry about your rent payments. You know what I mean? Like we don't, we don't need, you know, you don't need to pay your mortgage off. And that's nothing against the bombers. That's the way the government worked. And that's a, it's a great deal, but 
you know, as much in, and Wade's done a lot of great, terrific things for the Bombers. There's no doubt about it. Game day experience, all that stuff. But there's been a lot of help along the way. No, no, sure. no, no question about that. Uh, okay, uh, we got to get into this. And, and while we do this, by the way, uh, going to, oh, hey, Jeff. Uh, we're going to uh, do our first prize giveaway here tonight on Bonfire Sports. Check out thesportsvault.com. How about this? These are absolute beauties. These are rocks glasses or whiskey glasses for, well, how about Labor Day and the Banjo Bowl to uh, get primed uh, and ready for those games. Uh, The Sports Vault is a great group here in Winnipeg. You can check them out, thesportsvault.com. They sell their gear. And I mean, it's not just... Bomber stuff. They sell across the CFL, NBA, NHL, Major League Baseball, uh, the NFL. Uh, they've got really everything. You can buy, uh, you know, uh, a guitar with the Rough Riders logo on it if you want to smash it like a rock star. You can, uh, uh, or, or get or a bomb. Puke all over it if you want. That's or the jets. Uh, but like, how nice are these glasses? Uh, so we're gonna give these away right now, Jeff. I need you to give me a code word people can uh text the bonfire hotline 816 tips that's 204-816-8477 and if uh we'll we'll randomly pick somebody uh who is able to text you text your name and the code word that jeff is going to say next and what are those glasses they're scotch glasses are they shooter glasses or like what do they call them they call them yeah, rocks glass. So yeah, whiskey. It's funny how the French actually says ensemble. So does whiskey. it have to be a code word or can it be a code words? See how I'm making everything so complicated? You can make it complicated, sure. How about on the rocks? On the rocks. Text on the rocks and your name to 816-8477-204-816-TIPS. Uh, big shout out to our friends at thesportsvault.com. You can find their stuff at the Bomber Store, at Fanatics, on Amazon, at Shoppers Drug Mart, uh, and a ton of other places. Also got four more packs of these from our good buddy Joe Daly. You can check him out on St. Mary's Road right by the Riverside. Uh, are they Joe all dressed like that? Daly, pardon me? Are they all dressed like that? They are all Cody Fajardo, yeah. But we'll 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 break it down and uh get get some bomber cards uh how about this jeff i opened up uh, a handful of these cards uh through the last couple weeks here on on bonfire midweek and i i scored a card a renee paredes jersey patch card with his autograph somebody in saskatchewan wants to buy it for 120 dollars theo flurry maybe uh wants to buy for 120 bucks and then my good friend Cade at bomber history on twitter um he's also you know uh, brokered some deals for some saskatchewan rough rudder cards an autograph brett lowther card a couple rare keenan schaefer baker cards uh we're gonna have like over 130 dollars to reinvest in another box uh at joe daly so uh, be sure to check out Joe, like just not just cards, but custom framing uh, info at Joe Daly's sports um, Of course, you can find them on that website, 513 St. Mary's Road. You can give him a call 
783-8430. Go in there and talk to Joe too. Great guy. Great spot. Awesome place to hang out. (laughs) Just hang Uh, outside the front, loiter outside, and then get him to invite you in and tell him, show the old, the old stories. We've got a ton of them. Jeff, before we get into uh, Chris Streveler uh, and and some of the uh, other NFL cuts that uh, might come back to the Canadian Football League, uh, what's your take on James Franklin, former CFL backup quarterback, putting his 2015 Grey Cup ring up for sale? What are my thoughts on him putting his ring up for sale? Well, someone needs cash, obviously. I mean... I don't know. Like I would say a guy who, so that was Mike Riley, Michael Riley's year, right? That was his big, that was, know, in like, you know, so I don't know. I, I'd have to look back and see what James Franklin did, but um, you know, but I mean, those are, it's always, you know what my, my, my thought is, is I really like, look, I, 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 I'll never pretend to give someone advice on what they should do in their own lives and you know, how they should spend their own money and all that stuff and whatever, but it's just, you know, it's, it's always, it's always a dis, I don't even call it disappointing. It's always unfortunate to see guys have to sell their rings or want to sell their rings. Right. I mean, those are mass, like whether you were the, the, you know, the starting quarterback or the backup, mm-hmm. um, I feel like my shirt's inside out because I'm on the other side of you. Um, the, uh, you know, what, whatever the situation is, it's a tough, it's a tough it's a tough go to have to sell, you know, a championship ring, but they're expensive. They're expensive. So you do get money for them. Did you also know that they were, that, that they're a taxable asset? Really? Yep. So you Just because it's like what? $10,000 maybe for one of those rings. I'm wondering, I don't think they get that high, but they, they're thousands and thousands of dollars and, and it could, sorry, they could get that high. Um, but yeah, so then you would have to pay taxes on the on the ten thousand dollar price tag. Hammer, who who's the owner of the Boston Bruins? Do you remember? Do you, oh, do you know who it is? Let me ask my buddy, good buddy Google. Because I remember when the Boston Bruins won the Stanley Cup, they gave everybody in the organization. Oh yeah, Jeremy Jacobs, uh, right? Who is it? Jeremy Jacobs. Jeremy Jacobs. Jeremy like, Maurice Jacobs Sr. is an American billionaire businessman, the owner of Boston Bruins and chairman billionaire. of Billionaire. He's got so much money, it's it's ridiculous. Forbes like, magazine he, ranks him as 481st richest person in the world. Wow. There's John Ryan. Nice one there. Uh, he got everybody in the Boston Bruins organization, including all the players' wives and girlfriends and that sort of thing. Uh, not a ring, but like the similar pendant necklace or a ring for, you know, whichever you wanted. Hey, there's a nice one. My, my camera keeps freezing here. I got a beautiful Adam Big Hill. How about that? Nice card. Um, you know, that, that's the deep pockets he had, but yeah, no doubt these, uh, these uh, championship rings are, are worth a lot of money, but you know, I, I guess if you're a backup and it's not really your thing anymore and, in the case of, of James Franklin, you know, when he retired from football, he just said, I'd lost my passion for the game. So now he's even lost his, uh, you know, his, his memories of it, uh, not meaning too much for him. So is it Jeff Kabeels? Is it Kabeels? Have we nailed that sure. down yet? Yeah, Kabeels. Is it Kabeels? Yeah. Because I know Jeff's in there. 
you know, you in, know in all the chats. He just mentioned, I just wanted to say, yeah, it's, you know, Google's my friend, but distant cousin is Wikipedia. It always helps me out as well. So <laughs> they, no never, they, they never do you wrong. Let's get into Chris Stepler. Never tell you that time I donated $2 to Wikipedia. Did you actually do that? I did. I just was like, I felt like, okay, I, I'm on here enough. I guess I'll throw a couple of boxes. As they say, you know, the Wikipedia guy isn't loaded. Well, like the dude who invented it? The guy who runs Wikipedia is not like a, like a, like a, like a IT conglomerate kind of like, you know, whatever, whatever words you want to use with computers. But he's more like dude in his mom's basement or what? No, he's like dude that's like, go Google, Google owner Wikipedia. He's, I think he's married to a, a, a woman who's doing well for herself, but he's not raking in the Wikipedia money. I like this one. One of my favorite players in the CFL uh, injured in the first quarter of week one. William okay, Smith. there's Craig Smith sends the record right. 2013 ring is worth $19,000. So, yeah, they do get up there. Wow. Nice. Chris Streveler, uh reported Monday night by uh, Adam Schefter that the New York Jets would release him. Uh, he'll have an opportunity now, Hammy, to sign with another NFL team or potentially grab a practice roster spot on the New York Jets. Uh, your thoughts on Chris Streveler, the you know mix he was in following a fantastic preseason in New York, but Mike White, Joe Flacco, uh, of course, Zach Wilson, the number two overall pick a couple years ago. Um, you know, they, they've got their stable of three. It was just uh, a numbers game for Chris Streveler. Yeah, man. I mean, it was an awesome ride. You know, like it was great to see Chris look and play like a true quarterback at the top level I mean we all know preseason isn't isn't regular season but nonetheless I mean you know I think it was frustrating to watch him early in his career um his NFL career not being utilized the way we had seen him be utilized against you know as a, as a Winnipeg Blue Bomber and just you know and that being you know using his legs first taking off short yardage leave in for a bit this guy can you know this not a lot of quarterbacks can or are willing to drop their shoulder into linebackers right and so you know I you know I was disappointed to see him not really get that shot like I felt like he was you know even in Arizona like I felt like he was like asked to be a stand-up you know in the pocket quarterback and that's just not who he is or at least that's not who I thought he was um or like at least that's not what we had necessarily seen but I mean fast forward to this preseason geez like who wasn't on this? Who wasn't on this Strebler, uh ride during the preseason? I mean, and it wasn't just, I mean, it was awesome. And like, and you know, the way his teammates rallied around him, the way his coach, Sally threw out what, three separate, uh, separate uh, shout outs post game on him. Like it became like a, you just watch those videos waiting for him to be like, okay, say his name, say his name. So like the locker room can go, can go crazy. I'll say this about Chris Strebler, man. This guy, like, you know, it's tough. You know, it's how do you not cheer for somebody who is the ultimate teammate? Like this guy is like, it, it's, it's, a, it's saying ultimate teammate isn't even doing it justice. This guy was willing to put his, his, you know, his career on the line with a broken foot, play through that. Like, I mean, this guy's young, man, but like, you don't, you know, not a lot of guys are willing to, you know, wreck their, you know, potentially, you know, ruin their careers or, or worsen an injury. And this guy would, would have went through a wall with two broken legs 
Yeah. Um, you know, and, 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 and a collapsed lung. You know what I mean? And, I'm, and, there, and we don't even know for sure if he didn't play with any of those, you know, injuries. So just he was the ultimate fan. Ultimate fan. He was the ultimate teammate. He was the ultimate player. Um, I don't think his days are done in the NFL. I think he'll get another opportunity if he's not on the practice. Sure. Because the reality was, is like, you know, we can sit here and we can go, you know, that was crap for him. That was just, you know, unlucky. It's a real look into the NFL business because – it really doesn't matter a lot of the times what you do. There are, you know, there are certain politics and things that play for draft picks for, you know, whatever, right. That play into it. And, and you can't help but to think that this guy, that Chris Strebler got dealt that bad luck. But here's the thing. I don't think Chris Strebler hanging into the preseason had a chance in hell to stick with the team. Like I don't like I thought maybe maybe a chance in hell is aggressive and I don't mean that as a shot against him but it was a massive uphill battle. He had right. to make the most of every opportunity that he got in those games. You don't play the what the third or fourth preseason game, the last preseason game. You don't usually play that game if you're making the team. Like that's kind of just that's kind of the, the the reality of 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 the NFL. But he made the most out of every single situation. And I think at the very least, he found himself on a practice roster that I'm not 100% sure he would have been granted and might have even been looking you know, to Canada by, September, by next month, where now you know, he's taken the league by storm now in the preseason storm for sure. But he's taken, you know, he's turned a lot of heads. He's opened a lot of eyeballs, and hopefully, there's someone out there that's willing to sign a check for him and put him on a roster because, you know, he, you need guys like that in your room. And the thing about Chris Strebler is, you can play him as your backup. You can play him as your third stringer. Hell, you can play him on special teams. That guy will play. And if you can get a guy like that in your locker room who's all about the team, you know, it almost pays for itself. Chris Strebler, like to, to your point about that, Jeff, like you could play him at fullback or tight end, right? In in the NFL, just like the CFL instituted uh, this season, you can have two quarterbacks on the field at the same time. So why not have him as a great piece of trickery? Remember the Wildcat? Remember how that was like the big fad started by the Miami Dolphins and then everybody was doing it? Uh, I can't remember the tailback who who in Miami who was was kind of the guy, but everybody oh, Williams and those guys was it was it back back way back when? Uh, like might have been ten years ago. I feel like I was in college. Anyway, everybody started doing that. Football is a game of of copycat, right? You know, if if it works, everybody will try it or you know try elements of it. Um, you know, for Chris Strebler. I, I'm completely with you. All he did in this preseason, he didn't lose a roster spot. He gave himself way more runway of opportunities it with other NFL teams. If he was, you know, okay during the preseason and then made the New York Jets and then say they cut him week six, I don't know how many teams would be calling. But now with the way he played, the media he got, those uh, clips of uh, Coach Sale in, in the New York Jets locker room after the game, mentioning him by name, the team exploding with a roar. Uh, how about Strebler? MVP chance? MVP chance? <laughs> yeah, like, it's it's absolutely nuts. Like, forget Tim Tebow. Like, Waiters is mentioning, uh, use him like Tim Tebow. I think Chris Strebler throws a better football 
than Tim Tebow. The accuracy looks like is there. I, that was the thing that was kind of lacking with Chris Trebler in the Canadian Football League, right? You look pretty accurate throwing the ball downfield uh, with the New York Jets, albeit I understand it's preseason, right? Um, but yeah, they're know, trying to. They're, they're trying to. Make- those are good players. Those aren't duds, you know? And here's the other thing. Like, Chris Strebler is... Johnny Brown. You know, he's the kind of guy that you just... Again, man, he's just so easy to cheer for. He, you know, he's just willing to do anything. And just to see how he's handled the whole thing, you know what I mean? Like, I think it's just been... Yeah, it's awesome, man. I mean, this is... I don't think we've seen the end of him. I think, you know... You know, I see some name, like I see some comments up here saying, you know, Strebler going to Sask or whatever. It'll be interesting to see what, you know, if and when he does come back. I mean, I, you know, I think it's safe to assume he's, you know, he loved it here. He's got a lot of close friends in Winnipeg. I don't really see him, you know, being anywhere else, but I guess, well, if opportunity, you know, let's talk about how bad the quarterbacking is in the CFL right now. Okay. The Ticats have quarterback issues. Ottawa has quarterback issues. Montreal did until Trevor Harris suddenly. CFL has quarterback issues right now. That's what I'm saying. The whole league has quarterback issues. Like Jake Mayer, Nathan Rourke, uh, Zach Kolaris, maybe McLeod Bethel-Thompson throws for a lot of yards. Um, You know, there's some decent quarterbacks and good quarterbacks in this league, but there's also some very bad situations, bad quarterback rooms right now. He might want to come to Winnipeg. But there also might be a team that says, you know what? We're going to give you 400. I don't know. Yeah, maybe, 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 you know, maybe, but I I don't know. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I, it's interesting because I think, I think timing would be an interesting part of that. Like if, for instance, if he was coming, say things didn't work out in the NFL, he didn't have the preseason that he had, maybe he had half the preseason that he had. Right. And then say Ottawa wanted to dump a bunch of money on him inside a two-year deal you know does Chris Trebler seem like the guy who would chase that money you know for next season and this year or would he rather be on you know say a Winnipeg team this season you know I don't sure. think I think it's going to be a moot point at the end of this because I don't think he's going to be making his way to the CFL but if he wanted to come here I think he'd rather come in for this stretch drive with a winner and not be the not have to go to a play or at least exercise his options over the offseason, not go to a team where he had to pick up the pieces right and and fix like immediately, right? Like I'd right. rather, you know, like because the bottom line is Chris Trevor comes to Winnipeg. Yeah, he he ain't he's not the number one, but he sure as hell is getting a bunch of packages and he's you know, like they're 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 dialing up things for Chris Trevler to be special if he was to come to Winnipeg for a struggle. Yeah. No, like we, we talked about the big game Nick Dembski had, uh, uh, Greg McRae, uh, you know, Brady Oliveira uh, before he had to leave the game uh, for the second half. We haven't talked about Dakota Prukop. Like he threw a touchdown. He was effective in the short yardage and he added a real creative wrinkle to the Blue Bombers offense. I've been, I've been talking about Dakota Prukop since training camp. Because I knew that this was the type of player, fast, agile, veteran. Like, what has he been on? Four CFL teams in five years? Three CFL teams in five years? He knows the league. He knows Canadian football and those offensive systems and defensive systems. And he can run with the football like any quarterback you've seen. So, um, and, and and not a small guy either, you know, not... not um, 
not a diminutive dude. He's he's got some size to him. So we're seeing now as we enter the second half of the CFL season, Buck Pierce get a little bit deeper into the playbook. Uh, you know, I mentioned that on Hustler's show today into those deeper chapters of the Blue Bombers offensive playbook. And we're starting to see a little bit of Dakota Prukop and, and what he could be. He's kind of Chris Streveler light. I agree. And so like, I got to give you a bit of credit here too, because I, I mean, I just didn't see, you know, Dakota Prukop pick up as I thought it was a good, you know, veteran pickup to have a guy who, you know, is, has been there before. Um, but I just didn't know what his impact would be. And sure enough, I mean, you know, he, like you said, he's got a lot of speed to burn. He can throw the ball. He can be that, you know, as you mentioned, the Chris Strudler light, you can keep him in, you know, after getting the short yardage and, and be a threat, right. Really throw opposing defenses off. Um, by trusting him and we saw that last game I mean we never even brought that up that was one of my five points in my in one of my five takeaways uh, post game was man Buck Pierce called a game he did you know he was you know he he uh, you know he, he he had a balanced run attack he had a you know had you know he got Zach you know spreading the ball around he brought in you know different weapons when Brady Oliveira went down by the way I think I'm pretty sure Brady's going to be fine uh, this week, I think he had x-rays earlier in the weekend, I think on Friday, the next day, and um, they were hopeful. And I think we're looking at Brady being just fine this week. So That's good. Uh, it yeah. shouldn't be an issue. Demario Houston, not 100% sure if he's on the same page as that, but we should get confirmation of that. I, I don't know. Just didn't look good to see him in no, like didn't. that. And, and I don't know if, uh, you know, but we'll see about that. Um but yeah, like I mean, I thought Dakota Prukop's a guy who uh, brings you know a lot more than I thought he brought, and I and and that was my my own naiveness. I didn't know what he brought to the table. I didn't know how he could be worked. I thought you know you could have a guy like Drew Brown run your packages, um, you know, just fine. I mean, here's the thing: it'll be interesting because if you know Dakota Prukop's be, become that, you know, obviously the short yardage guy, he's got a bit of size to him, as you mentioned, DB. But I still think that if if uh, if the, if you know, knock on wood here. If Zach Claris, you know, happens to go down, I think Drew Brown's next up. One hundred percent. So, um, you know, but 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 that just goes that just goes to show the the quality of the QB room and and everyone kind of having a piece of it and and owning that piece and and certainly Dakota Prukop's one of those guys that you know came in last week, got the short yardage and then and then you know. You know, I even saw, I watched it. I just happened to kind of look at the sideline and Zach was about 20 feet onto the field and the play obviously got called in and Zach's just like, you're, you're in, you're in, you know, go, go. Um, you know, Buck Pierce decided to keep him on that first, you know, it was at the 10 yard line. One play later, he's, he's finding Rashid Bailey in the end zone. So um, that's just knowing and understanding uh, what's happening on the field, being able to take advantage of, of, you know, who's on the field against the short yardage and then having, you know, Dakota Prukup come in and face that defense. Cause it's really hard to have guys run off the field and not, not get a penalty if they're just going to roll with them right after. And we saw, we saw just that on the Bailey TD. Yeah, I'm with you there. I just think, um, you know, particularly the, uh, the Chris Streveler gray cup championship run, I think Buck Pierce, uh, the entire blue bombers coaching staff just said, we like this element to an offensive system way too much to not try to find somebody that we can utilize in a similar sense. And well, Edmonton had a pretty awful season uh, in 2021, Jeff, uh, we all know that, but the play of the year by elks.com 
was a 40-yard Dakota Prukop run against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. It was an impressive run. Well, there was Winnipeg firsthand uh, breaking down the film after that game saying, okay, maybe maybe this is a guy we should, um, you know, uh, dog ear uh, in the book of free agents. And, and sure enough, Kyle Walters uh, strikes again. Um, last thing I want to get into with you, uh, Jeff, and, and once again, everybody, hit up the hotline, 816-8477, text 204-816-TIPS. What's the code word? On the, rock. On the rocks. And rock. your name. So text on the rocks and your name to that number right there, 816-8477. Standard rate supply, just like when you text your mama, we like to say around here. Um, and then uh, you could win those rocks classes, uh, courtesy of the Sports Vault. Before we go, Jeff, it's been great having you on the program, by the way. Great having Zach and others in the live chat, lively as Absolutely. always here uh, on the bonfire. Streveler wasn't the only former CFLer cut by their NFL club uh, over the last 48 hours. Jonathan Kongbo uh, cut by the Denver Broncos. Drew Desjardins cut by the New England Patriots. Dakota Shepley, uh, who is a free agent, uh, was with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, uh, was a high draft pick of theirs. Um, I think it was the New York Giants that cut him. Either way. Uh, Seattle. Oh, okay. The Seahawks had him. So uh, all three of those guys, I don't know if they're going to come rushing north, but I put a, a question out to the live chat right now. Pick one NFL cut you'd want the Blue Bombers to sign. Um, really nice to see uh, DeAndre Alford. He made the Atlanta Falcons roster, which is awesome. Awesome. Yeah, that is awesome. So were you asking me the one guy? Should yeah. Name the one guy. Chris Strebler. <laughs> you know, so, um, yeah. I think, I mean, yeah, I mean, sure. If it was one guy, Chris Strebler in the CFL would be fantastic. But, you know, Drew Desjardins, I think, would go a long way. For, that might be my for, pick. For this, uh, you know, if we're talking about the Bombers, absolutely. Just bring some of that continuity and nastiness back. I'm not saying that they don't have that with the replacements, but um, you can never use, you, or, you know, you can always use, sorry, uh, you know, a solid, O lineman, and we 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 saw Drew Desjardins became a CFL All Star uh, pretty quickly in his career. So for and then to for him to parlay that into an NFL shot, uh, I don't know if we're going to be looking at these guys anytime soon. Jonathan Congo included. You don't get to this point in time as like a last cuts, and um, usually you need to take a bit of time, obviously, to let it register and and uh, think about it. There's practice roster appointments. There's, you know, other teams that might be interested in signing you. You know, you know, you're getting, you know, you've been, you've been tasting the NFL for this long. You know, your agent's going to keep working the phones until, you know, like you become one of those practice guys. I mean, um, and by that, I don't mean practice roster guys. I mean, guys who are in the gym working out, staying close, staying in the U.S., uh, waiting for that call if it, if it hasn't come already. But, um, you know, but I, I think we're looking at if if, the, if there is going to be any kind of movement uh, south, it's probably not going to happen for for another few weeks, and uh, probably you know revving for a, you know a playoff run, if you will. I, I don't right. think guys are going to get the bad news and immediately you know start looking at at their options you know up north before before exhausting their options down south. Yeah, of course. You know, it, it comes down to to opportunity, and uh, they don't they don't want to squander that. Uh, in the small window that is being a, a pro football player, the Bombers 
did make two signings today, a couple roster moves, uh, and, and both Americans coming up north, uh, linebacker Dewan Cooper and receiver Javon Hiley. That's a tough name. H-E-I-L-I-G-H. Hiley? Anyway, uh, Hiley in particular uh, was most recently uh, with uh, the Cincinnati Bengals in training camp, uh, this year. And then Dewan Cooper, the linebacker played one year, uh, most recently with the South Dakota, uh, Cougars, of course, that being, uh, or coyotes, pardon me, South Dakota coyotes, uh, alma mater of Chris Streveler. So Winnipeg already bolstering that, um, practice roster, Jeff, what, in your opinion, maybe we'll end on this. Defense. We're not gonna get in. We're not gonna get into Garrett Marino heading into Labor Day weekend. Yeah, no, okay. We'll get into Garrett I'll Marino. But touch, touch on that. Answer before. me quickly. If, if the Bombers have one position group, in your opinion, they need to bolster. And I know, like an American coming up from training camp, isn't necessarily going to be a guy that's going to make an impact right away, or even make the roster right away. But where do they need the most help? Is it DB? Is it receiver? Is it O line or D line? Like, what do you see? See, it's an interesting question because I think it'd be like, okay, if you could get like, if Alford came back, you know what I mean? Like with, with, with like, you know, like you had like a, you know, if you could just pick whoever you wanted to come back, I mean, that would be awesome. Um, just given, you know, we don't know what the situation with Demary Houston is. It's probably not good. Um, you know, we've seen, you know, I mean, Brian Alexander's coming back eventually, right? So that's kind of like getting a late all-star, you know, if you will. I mean, yeah. it's not the same because he hasn't been – competing at that at that you know game speed obviously for some time but he's going to be a great addition to the group Malcolm Thompson I imagine is going to eventually come back so that might help too um but I think most realistically receiver so I think you know I I think it's one of those things where you need to you need to put though you need to you need to put they need more weapons and we've seen guys get injured on at receiver you know we need guy you, you know bringing in a guy whether it's, you know, off another roster, a guy from the NFL or, or whatever they can do. I think it's, I think bolstering that position will have great dividends in the sense of freeing up guys like Nick Dembski, freeing up guys like Dalton Schoen, who's had an incredible rookie season. So I, you know, I, taking some pressure off the run game, giving Zach more weapons. So when he's, when he's, uh, you know, escaping the pocket and scrambling, extending plays, he's got a bunch of guys to to, to throw to. So that's kind of where I seem to stand. Like, I mean, obviously, there, you know, if you looked at the defense, there's a need at DB in, in a sense, and that, you know, they've, you know, they've, they've got guys who are, are banged up or whatever. But um, I certainly think the most most like plausible and where I think is also a, a, a big area would be would be receiver for the Bombers. Yeah. I think that's a good area for Winnipeg to focus on. Um, you know, if Greg Ellingson was healthy and Carlton Agadosi was healthy, um, maybe it wouldn't be an area. It'd be, but a, I, it'd be a completely different story, I think. Totally, right? Were, were Greg McRae. Like, I, I really liked what, what Greg McRae brought. It's almost like they weren't expecting him to be that real outside vertical receiver because he is a tailback, Right. He's a kick returner. He's a tailback. That's kind of what he was in training camp. That's where he's been listed on the depth chart in weeks previous. Uh, but there he was, like playing the traditional wideout spot and going deep. Um, you know, twice Zach Kolaris was was targeting uh, him in the end zone, at least according to the live stats. One might have been to Brady Oliveira, but both of those picks Zach Kolaris threw in the end zone 
according to the stats anyway, I'm not totally sure, were to Greg McRae and covered mm-hmm. by Brad Muhammad, the halfback of, uh, of the Calgary Stampeders. Yeah, and I mean, I thought that, I mean, look at Greg McRae and his game. I mean, I thought he, I thought he stepped into it, you know, pretty incredibly. I mean, for a guy who likely wasn't going to be part of the game plan at all, um, seeing that, you know, he probably wasn't going to be on the starting rotation of receivers for him to get the opportunity to come in and do what he did in absence of, of Greg Ellingson, which is just unfortunate, right? Because Greg Ellingson's been a monster, you know, I mean, I'll be, I don't know if I necessarily need to eat crow on this one, but I just, I felt like Greg Ellingson was past his prime. I thought he yeah. was, you know, I didn't, you I thought, thought, you I thought, were arguing during training camp. Yeah. Like I thought he was, I was, I didn't think, like I thought he was a good player. There's no doubt about it. I mean, Greg Ellingson has proven over and over, you know, in this league that he's been a, you know, a great player, but we've seen other great receivers come here, you know, after their best years and not necessarily perform right and chris so matthews. well yeah chris very matthews and Jerry coleman a couple other guys you know what now, I mean? you know winston just, uh, uh weston dressler produced produce oh I'm, oh I, i'm not saying they've missed on a bunch of guys i'm just saying that like it's one of those things like oh, how yeah. many more years does greg ellington have right like we like and that was on that was after a pretty down season in Edmonton where I just, I felt like he, it, and maybe that was a, you know, that was a byproduct of everybody on the team, but it just, there were times where he just didn't really feel like he was in it. You know what I mean? So it was like, um, you know, to me, it was one of those things where I just felt like I didn't know what to expect. And I guess maybe my expectations were high, but he's been incredible. Now he needs to be healthy. And so, you know, it's an unfortunate situation for him to come back for one game, go on the bye week, come back, and the first day of practice pulls up lame on a on a routine kind of just you know throwing drill essentially uh, you know I think they were doing the offense but it was just it was just a roll up so it was, wasn't intense and 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 you know and and now he's on the sixth game again so I mean those are the things and this is the thing the reason why I say the receiver position is because we've seen injuries to Nick Dembski this year we've seen injuries to Greg Ellingson this year so yeah. we've seen guys banged up there and the last thing you want to have is relying on a bunch of guys and all of a sudden when it really, really matters, some of them can't play because they're banged up. And so that's just an area that I think, you know, like they've done a great job of bringing guys in and having them, you know, whether that was Carlton Agadosi or, or whoever, Greg McRae, all those guys come in, but I think you need some reinforcements so that, you know, Greg McRae is good, but a guy like, you know, and we talked about Kenny Lawler, we talked about other guys, you know, teams who are on bottom feeders now that everyone's on a one game or one year contract. The reality is, is that no one, you know, is going necessarily back to their, their old home. And if you can get them for something, if your season's lost, that's when you start making trades. Derelict of duty. If you don't start trading assets when you have no chance of making the playoffs and no, you know, no, no understanding or no like agreement that they're going to be back the next year. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you there. It, it'll be interesting to see how everything shakes out uh, for this 10-1 and 1 Blue Bombers team. Um, SIA.com slash bonfire. Right now, uh, you can get a 100% bonus up to $500. You help us directly here at Bonfire Sports. Um, and sign up now. That way you'll be able to uh, place some bets this coming weekend because it does take a little bit of time, uh, you know, for... Um, uh, everything to kind of be settled there. The Bombers, three and a half point favorites in Saskatchewan. Uh, Ottawa, five point dogs in Montreal. Toronto, 
and Hamilton. The Ticats favored at home by a point and a half. That's an attractive one to me, Jeff. Uh, Elks are 12-point dogs, 12 and a half points. You'd have to lay down to take the Stampeders uh, in Calgary on Monday. All of the games in the CFL as of, now, as of right now are 49 and a half over under numbers, except in Regina, 44 and a half. I think there's some value there. I think uh, that's low. Yeah. I do a little bit. Yep. I think there's some value there. Uh, you know, Saskatchewan's offense is getting better. Winnipeg's defense banged up. Uh, and I think Winnipeg can score uh, and, and they're going to there's score. Always, there's always, there's always that, there's always explosion plays in, in yeah. uh, Labor Day weekend. And those, oh, those, turn blow, or, up, those yeah. blow up the uh, over-unders when you get it, you know, when all of a sudden a game turns on a, you know, an up, up the sideline bomb or, you know what I mean? So. Anyways, not getting too much camera, games but. changing on a dime, Jeff. Garrett Marino, no longer a starter, putting up a stink because he's no longer uh, listed as a starter in Saskatchewan, which to me is hilarious. If he wasn't Especially a starter, he'd be cut. What? If he wasn't a starter, he'd be cut from that organization. Right. But he's not listed as a starter right now. And the reports doesn't like that. Of course he doesn't what? like that. This guy's a lunatic. Let's talk about him, though, because there's a lot of Blue Bomber fans in the live chat and our post-game show, uh, hitting the hotline, getting at me on Twitter, uh, mentioning on the coaches show with O'Shea. Uh, Everybody a little bit anxious or many people anxious that Garrett Marino might do something stupid on Sunday in Regina. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I think that needs to be a bit of a... Like, I'm not trying to be hyperbolic or anything, but, like, that's got to be a consideration. Like, he is, you know, this is a guy who came back, right, after the four games, had this just absolutely ridiculous apology, which I think we all got a pretty good idea of why he didn't apologize. This guy, I'm pretty sure he had an earpiece in his ear as someone giving him the six words he needed to say to apologize. Because, this, you know, like, and, you know, the way it was described to me is, of the 5% of worst talkers in the Canadian football league, he's in the bottom one. So, you know, I just don't think he's all that great with his words and that's part of it. But that just tells me this guy's just a meathead one, one way thought player, boom, see red, do whatever you can to get to the quarterback. I think this guy knows one way and that's violence. And that makes him, you know, an incredible football player in some aspects, but it also makes him an incredible liability. And so you look at what he did, you know, to Jeremiah Masoli, you look at the aftermath, you look at the Rough Riders who just look so pathetic throughout the entire process, um, you know, just contradicting their messages, suggesting that they were apologizing. We can dig into that, whatever. But that's just pretty much Sask in a nutshell this year. And then comes out and then his first opportunity to play a tough, hard-nosed game, he gets fined again for a stupid play, pushing the center over in a play that had already been whistled down. Like he had no, and that didn't even, that's not even counting the couple of late hits question when we're and the reality is you're going to have a microscope on, you, right? Like when you, when you come back the way he came back and let's not even get into the historical suspension that the CFL laid on him. That's such a bullshit suspension name. Like you got one game for being a racist. You got one game for hurting another guy. You got two games for intentionally hurting a quarterback. That's not, a massive thing. That's just an idiot that shouldn't even be in this, in this league. And for him to come back and then do what he did against BC. If I'm the Winnipeg blue bombers, 
I'm making sure I know exactly where that guy is on every play because this guy is not going like we like I tweeted this after he came back in that game. We have a half season to see this guy pretty much prove all his critics correct. Like it like we're waiting for that I told you so moment. And the sad part would be if it happened against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, who are in the midst of a of a great season, who play the game the right way, who are the mm-hmm. least penalized team in, in, in the CFL. I'm and lying. it's just and to think about it, like you, it almost gets you going just thinking about it. And it hasn't even happened yet because you just don't know with this guy and you just don't understand. Guys have gotten cut for less in this league. So this idea that he's not a starter and that for anyone who doesn't isn't hundred percent aware of what you were talking about, though you alluded to it. He got pissed off apparently this past week because he wasn't the starter on the depth chart. Now he wasn't, it's funny because he didn't start last game either. He, he missed the first play and then was in pretty much the whole game. Right. So, you know, for this guy who we, who, you know, we've been told by Craig Dickinson from Jeremy O'Day from Craig Reynolds, that this guy has learned his lesson. If his beef is not being on the starting of a, of a manipulative depth chart, which I'll tell you what, spoiler, not <laughs> most depth charts aren't worth the paper they're printed on in a lot of respects. Most are, but most aren't. You can understand that now. But the fact is, is that, you know, this guy is a liability. He's going to end someone's career eventually. And it's just pathetic that, you know, we're even having to talk about this guy because Saskatchewan should have got rid of him when they had the opportunity. But, hey, alas, they're hosting the Great Cup. They got so much to lose this year. They haven't done anything for years. They need everything and anybody they can get, and that's why he's still on the team. Yep. No, extremely well said. The only thing I will add to that is um, it's going to be up to Blue Bomber center Chris Kolonkowski to know where 92 Garrett Marino is on every single snap, as you said, everybody on that O-line, everybody on the offense, they're going to be knowing where he is and uh, maybe even after the whistle, knowing where he is just to make sure, uh, you know, the shenanigans don't continue uh, for Garrett Marino. A couple questions uh, in the live chat before we wrap things up, Jeff. Uh, This is an interesting one. Is Britt Dort replacing Sarah Orleski on the CFL and TSN broadcast? I'll start by saying nobody will ever replace Sarah. But Britt Dort of CTV Regina has done a handful of games this year. She's been excellent. Yeah, possibly. I don't know the answer to that question. Um, I'm inclined to think no in the sense, not, not because I don't think she'd be a quality, you know, replacement. She's still pretty new. Right mm-hmm. to the sideline stuff. So to give her double duty or whatever, may not be whatever, but hey, maybe she can do it and, and she probably can. She'd be great at it. Maybe more practice is better. The reason why I say no is because Sarleski is like you mentioned, DB, is impossible to replace. Yeah. She was doing like three games a weekend. Yeah. So like like whether whether you know Britt's gonna help out on that, which I agree with you. I think she's doing some great work. I think she, you know, it's not an easy job to just hit the no. sidelines and you know, be engaging and do what you're, you know, to, to, to do it well. And she certainly hit the ground running. So, you know, congrats to her and, and whatever, but um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I don't know. Like, it looks like, you know, Sarah, Sarah did a lot, um, did a lot of games and, you know, cover a lot of sidelines and did a lot of special things for, uh, for the CFL. And she'll be certainly be missed who her replacements will be. Um, we'll see, but yeah, Britt would definitely be a, a quality candidate. 
you need, you kind of think you need someone in Winnipeg, though. You know what I mean? Well, we like that, that's the whole thing. The, the like Winnipeg's like here, man. Like this is this is that. The what? Oh, the jet. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. And then, like, and who's the play-by-play voice with with Dennis Bayak retiring? We still don't know. Well, Paul Edmonds got a haircut not long ago, so we did. I don't know. Maybe I'm not hitting anything on that. I have no idea. It's um, August. That's, man. An, We're all that's, an, that's an interesting one, but it's got to be. It's got to be something soon. You know what I mean? And 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 I think you know. I think there's a lot of like. Here's the thing. It's impossible to fill Sarah's shoes just like it was impossible to fill Bob Irving's shoes as yeah. a play-by-play guy. But guess what? Shoes get filled. People come in. They get their opportunity. They make it their own. They'll never be who they replace. They'll be who they are. And whether that's Britt, who's doing an incredible job, whether that's any of the other people on the sidelines for TSN are doing a great job. I like. I, I think I'd like to see a little bit of a Winnipeg presence. Uh, you know, someone to be in, you know, Winnipeg's person, but uh, we'll see, you know, like it's kind of one of those things in the business. Um, you just never really know what the next choice is going to be or how they're going to figure things out. But I, I already miss Sarah. So, yeah, we well, we miss her, but she'll, she'll still be around. So very happy for that and give it, give her a little bit more time with her family, especially in the summers, I, I think will be uh, really nice. Uh I heard Zach Schnitzer is retiring from Bonfire Sports and is up for a Lifetime Achievement Award. Uh, and then Waiters saying, it's official. Jeff Hamilton, the new co-host of Bonfire Sports and Bonfire Midweek. Sorry, Zach, it's a big fan. I'm a big fan of Zach. So unfortunately, you know, there's no way that I can replace a guy like that. Phyllis says, we're keeping Zach for sure and Hammer and DB and Bluto. We're keeping everybody. Selfish Phyllis, but we're with you uh, there and then of course we'll maybe give the last word to the man himself zach schnitzer i'll be back in the austrian accent of uh arnold arnie of course uh this was a ton of fun man i'm looking forward uh to this weekend with you and ted and jeff and ted's excellent adventures uh who was the chef and ted's labor day adventures take two with featured guest darren bombing coming to you yeah. this weekend I'll take the feature. It's gonna be hot. It's gonna be crazy. <laughs> it's gonna be me bullying Ted as I often do. So yep. come for our antics. Stay for our uh, mistakes. Whatever. Yeah. It's gonna be awesome. No, it's it's gonna be, it's, it's gonna be this week. And, and you know what? Tons of fun to be on here. Took a while to get me on here. I'm looking. You know, yeah. I'm really happy I did it. I'm happy I'm chatting. With, really, you know, it's great really to be interactive with these people. You know, um, with the commenters, always great seeing some familiar faces, and you know, just being able to feed off uh, off off their energy and feed off their questions. I mean, this cool. is what we do. We we're, we're privileged in doing what we do every week, every day. Um, yeah. So to be able to share that with people and um, yeah, just talk football, man. It's just it's always fun. And with Labor Day on the horizon, geez, doesn't get much better. No question. No question. Well said, Jeff. Um, to everybody out there, thanks for joining us. Uh, Zach will be back for game day after dark on Sunday following the Labor Day Classic in Regina. Chris Walby will join me as he always does the day before the game. Sometime in the afternoon. I don't know. Regina runs on that weird clock, right, Jeff? So I don't even know what you're Are they a year they're behind? They're like 10 years behind, but um, right. are they an hour behind? Well, Still, we got them in during that? the yeah. summer. During let the me, summer, they're on mountain time, me, and then during the winter, they're on let me, let me consult my friends. Let me consult my friends. Yeah, well. Yeah, it's I'm an not, hour behind, so it's 8.09 there. So it's, uh, yeah. So whenever it is, this is what you want to do. You want to subscribe yeah. on YouTube, and when you subscribe, a bell icon will appear 
ring that bell, then you'll get an uh, alert on your phone or wherever uh, to know when we're live. But look around, you know, uh, on social media, we'll let you know uh, probably two, three, four o'clock uh, on Saturday for the pregame. Uh, and then we'll have Bonfire Midweek again uh, on Tuesday uh, following the Labor Day Classic and looking towards the Banjo Bowl. Thanks, Sammy. Appreciate you, man. This was great having you on. Always a pleasure, man. Thanks for having me on. All right, everybody. We'll see you next time. Thanks for joining us on Bonfire Sports. Bonfire Sports.